here's Beto O'Rourke. I mentioned this. I just want you to hear it. He is in Juarez, Mexico. Juarez is right across the river from El Paso. And, and he's, he is campaigning for the presidency, a Democrat nomination, in Juarez, Mexico. Now, you may think this is crazy, but it isn't. The Democrat base lives in Mexico now. They were asked, show of hands, how many of you think illegals should get free health care? Every hand went up. They don't think illegals should be stopped from coming into the country. So they, the population of Mexico is a Democrat base now. So Beto goes down there to tell them that America caused their suffering, that America is to blame for Mexicans dying, crossing into the country. It's what he said. We know that people are literally losing their lives as they're no longer able to cross at ports of entry. They're trying to cross in between ports of entry. We as a country have decided that that's what they will do. We put them in this precarious position. We have caused this suffering. Folks, it's in their own words. You don't have to take my word for it. I know those of you in this audience do. It is Americans' fault. America's fault. These people are anti-America. America created their suffering by taking California away from them in the first place. By the way, this is a theme in modern-day entertainment. How many of you watch the Paramount TV show uh, Yellowstone? Well, you know what I'm talking about then. The whole concept of Yellowstone is how America took it all away from the Indians. I don't want to get too much in the weeds because it's a good show if you can get past the crap. Uh, but one of the characters married to one of the sons of the, the, the dynastic bad guy owner of the largest ranch in the world it shouldn't be allowed to own. And this woman's an Indian. The rancher's son married an Indian. Family strife right there. She has an accident, gets beat up, trying to break up a fight at her kid's school, doesn't discipline the kid. The kid's a terror at age five, beating up everybody. But they don't discipline the kid. She gets hurt. The rancher tries to get her out of the way, tries and so goes to the local university and arranges for her to get a job offer that'll pay her $75,000 a year. These people are living in a trailer. $75,000 a year, and she can teach whatever she wants to teach. She turns it down because she doesn't want to be indebted to the evil rancher. Well, then she has this accident, brain damage, so forth, long recovery, then goes back to this university president. Years later, I am willing to accept your offer. <laughs> Job's no longer open. I mean, we filled the job. Well, I'll take it. You let me know when it comes up. Eventually, she gets the gig, and she tells the university president, I'm teaching the truth about Columbus. I'm, treat I'm teaching the truth about this country. I'm telling that he brought genocide to this country. I am going to teach that it was white Europeans that destroyed this land. And the university president says, well, you go for it, babe. Essentially, you go for it. And then she does that. She does it in her introductory class. And the university president in the audience in the classroom watching comes out and praises her afterwards. As somebody who doesn't, he's, he's not an activist president. He's just running the place. He's an administrator. And you can tell with his facial expressions, he disapproves totally of her view of things, but he, he can't because she's the daughter-in-law, the guy that owns the biggest ranch in the world. She cannot be told not to do it. So but even the theme of a show like that stars Kevin Costner. Even a show like that. 
America sucks. America took it away from the Indians. America took Mexico away from the Mexicans. America, God, we're so horrible. It is a running theme throughout American pop culture now. They've got these people down at the border trying to put up with this rampant invasion. Nowhere are they prepared for it. Let me let me grab a call quickly here. I want to work a couple in here before the break. Uh, San Antonio's next. Roy, great to have you on the program today, sir. Hello. Man, thank you so much, Mr. Limbaugh, for taking my call. I want to I want to uh, talk about three quick points. Number one, and I and I'm a Latino, all right, and the first generation on my mom's side, fourth generation on my dad's side. So I can kind of talk about this. <laughs> Latinos are not politically conservative. If so, why are all Latin American nations? Hey, 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 wait, wait, wait just a second, Roy. This is fascinating because you know why? When I first started this radio show back in 1988 and I started meeting what are, who are now the Never Trumpers at the think tanks, they were all for immigration. And you know why, Roy? They told me that Latin American Hispanics are great conservatives. They're devout Catholics and they are us. And that's why we've got to be supportive. It's they, we, they, they live conservative lives now, and they want to support conservative politics. And I always no. scratched my head. I said, well, can you answer a question for me? Why are none of the countries where they live conservative? If, if Latinos are all conservative, if there are that many, how come most of their countries are socialists? That's correct. That is correct. I mean, honestly, thank you. we epitomize onions duality of man. Personally, we may live traditional family values, but politically, we do not. Another thing, second point, and, and this, this may come as a shocker, but Texas is going to go blue in 2020. And it's all due to the change of demographics and population, coupled with the liberal Democrat control of every major city from Dallas to Brownsville and from El Paso to Houston. They are all... Oh, they'd be happy to know in Brownsville are a major city. Well, again, it's completely controlled by Democrats and everywhere from the mayor all the way down to the D.A. And the D.A.s in Texas run the political. Okay, well, let me tell you, Roy, I I know that it it looks like the last I saw, uh, you know, one of the red, blue electoral maps of Texas about. Well, it's been within the past six months. And one thing I noticed that every county. In Texas, on the border with Mexico, is one shade of blue or another. That's correct. It's either purple or it's blue, light blue, meaning it's trending Democrat. Every county, except I think every every county but one on the border with Mexico. It's clear as a bell what's happening and why. It's clear as a bell that this is happening because of illegal immigration. Now, Roy, if if Texas goes blue in 2020, it's over, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you what, absolutely it's over. Absolutely it's over. And this is something that people just do not want to look at. I mean, look, in 2018, Texas came within 2.8% of voting for an open socialist as their senator. And they're counting that as a win. Oh, you're talking about Beto? Of course I'm talking about Beto. Ah, that's, that's Beto. That's, that's, I, I, I look. Well, he came, he came with that 2.8% relation. cannot negate the fact that that how was a many, That was not a lot. Yeah, and he had all the Hollywood money. How many people do you think now who voted for Beto are glad that he didn't win? The guy's a, uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, he's not getting much support for, for president nationally. That's a, right? Exactly. I don't think the Beto election, why I, it was frightening for Cruz. 
But I don't think the Beto election alone is a good enough harbinger for what's going to happen statewide in the presidential race in 2020. But understand your concern. If you look at those border counties, it's something to really be worried about. Because we can't lose those electoral votes and win the presidency. Absolutely, we can. And it's all about about the changing population. The the changing population in Texas is really going to decide. Well, Kanae, absolutely right. It's about changing. It's hastening the demographic change. Absolutely. And when there's zero freedom-based outreach into the grassroots Latino community in a time that offers the greatest opportunity to do so because of free market principles and deregulation getting government out of the way, creating the lowest unemployment rates in Hispanic communities, coupled with the exodus, the exodus of Latinos and other people leaving the fleeing, failed socialist nation, it's a huge opportunity exists to re-educate this key demographic, and nothing is being done about it, Rush. Nothing. Uh... Well, uh, yes and and no. Uh, don't under don't underestimate the power of Trump in this regard. I think the idea that Hispanics hate Trump because of his statements on immigration, you don't. I can tell by you don't hate Trump. I think uh, that's a little bit more dribble. But uh, Roy, I'm glad you called. I really am glad you got through. Uh, Howard in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Hello, sir. Yes, sir. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I'm calling to ask you a specific question, but before I ask you, if you don't mind, I want to tell you that um, I'm retired military. I spent uh, a few years in the Army and um, many years in the Mexican National Guard, and I was one of those soldiers on the border under Bush and Obama. So I've seen the immigration firsthand. Oh, okay. How bad it is. But um, the reason I'm calling is because I want to ask your opinion on is I read an article yesterday on the president of El Salvador in Mexico City. He was um, talking to, I think it was the president of Mexico or a few other people, and um, they asked him about the immigration crisis. And he said, it's not Trump's fault. It's our fault. But I haven't seen that in the media. I haven't seen it in a newspaper for about one article. Yeah, exactly. And, and so it may as well not have been said. If a tree falls in the forest, there's no one there. That old line. Uh, he's, I think he's right about it. Um, and I know what he means. But he's never going to, even if he, if he put it into a megaphone and a drive-by media hearing it, they would ignore him. 